WTTM331. You're listening to the windowtothemagic.com podcast. Brought to you by windowtothemagic.com. Surround yourself with the magic. Hello, and welcome to A Window to the Magic. My name is Paul, and as always, I will be your guide through the wonderful world of Disney sound experiences. This show is a weekly trip through the world of the Disney theme parks and resorts, and this is the place where you get to use your ears to surround yourself with the magic. Well, hello everyone, and welcome to episode number 331 of A Window to the Magic, the ultimate Disney audio adventure. Now, before we start the show this week, I want to make sure I mention, if you are coming to the Friends of the Magic meet, August 3rd through 5th, 2012, be sure to go to tikified.com, that's T-I-K-I-F-I-E-D.com, and order your Freaky Tiki Trio t-shirts. They need to hear from you soon if you're going to get your t-shirt in time for the Freaky Tiki Trio meet on Friday, August 3rd. Also, be sure to use discount code WTTM20 to save 20% on your order. Now, for those of you that are not going to the Friends of the Magic meet, go to tikified.com and buy a shirt anyway. This is an awesome t-shirt. If you like the Enchanted Tiki Room and the Haunted Mansion, you're going to love it. So please visit them today. Now, this week we're going to have kind of a unique show for you. I haven't done one of these in quite a while. Next weekend, I'm going to be at the Disneyana Fan Club Convention, the former National Fantasy Fan Club, the NFFC. They have their yearly convention in Garden Grove, California, just down the street from Disneyland. And one of the cool things, the best part about going to these events is getting to meet and talk to the actual people that make the magic happen. Now, I'm not talking about Michael Mafoda and the Bluestone Creative Group like I talk about at the end of every show. I'm talking about someone like this. You are the passengers in a most uncommon elevator. About to take the strangest journey of your lives. Your destination unknown, but this much is clear. A reservation has been made in your name for an extended stay. Wave goodbye to the real world. For you have just entered the Twilight Zone. No, I didn't get to talk to Rod Serling but I did get to speak to the very next best thing. I got to speak recently on Skype with Mark Silverman. Mark is the voice talent who is behind the Rod Serling impression in the Tower of Terror, all of the Tower of Terrors throughout the world. And we got together on the phone to give you guys a little taste of what you can do if you come out 
to the Disneyana Fan Club Convention or come out to the Disneyana Show and Sale. So if you're not able to make the convention for some reason, at least come out to the Show and Sale because there's going to be tons of people that will be at the Show and Sale Disney Legends that you will want to meet, get your picture with, and get their autograph. So I'm done talking here. I'm going to go ahead and hand it off to me and... For the next 45 minutes or so, I'll be speaking with the voice of Rod Serling, Mr. Mark Silverman. How are you, sir? All right. How are you? Doing well, thank you. Are you a, what is it, a podcast? Yes. Uh, Window to the Magic is actually the Internet's longest running uh, Disneyland-related podcast. Wow. We've been going since 2005, and we've been doing binaural recordings of Disneyland uh, since uh, since 2005. So wow. Just over 300, and, I think 330 shows is the one that uh, is going to be this week. Interesting. So I was a... Um you know, a, a Disneyland obsessed fanatic before I did Tower of Terror. I actually have heard um, through MiceCast that you did something very similar to what my co-host did, and that is he used to go into Disneyland back uh, in the 1960s and 1970s uh, with a reel-to-reel tape recorder. It's so funny. And he would record just like you. But how do you do it with a reel-to-reel? He, it he, sounds like that'd be big. Yeah, he had a tiny little recorder, very small tapes. Wow. And uh, yeah, apparently he brought it in in a bag. And so some of his recordings, you can hear the crinkling of the bag as he's holding it. <laughs> well, yeah. I used to, I just bring my handheld cassette recorder. Okay. I started that in like 1978. Wow. I still, I still have my cassettes of Pirates of the Caribbean in a huge box. <laughs> Very nice. Yeah, we've, he's been doing a show with his recordings um, called My Disneyland Memories. God, what's his name? Uh, it is Magic Joe Jubilado. Do I know him? I don't think so. Uh, Do you, does he have any recordings of Pirates from the 60s? Uh, he very well might. I'd love to hear that. I want to hear how similar it is to the '70s ones I have. Yeah, we'll uh, we'll have to check that out, and then I will let you know. I'm still obsessed with Pirates of the Caribbean. <laughs> it's a, one of the best rides I think they've ever done. Really? I, yeah, I, I think it's the best ride they ever did. I think it's the most uh, gets you into a whole other world better than any ride anyone's ever done anywhere. Yeah. Yeah, a lot of people are comparing Pirates to uh, the new Radiator Springs Racers. I don't. I don't really get the comparison, though. I think. It, I, I think they're talking about the the size of it, because I I don't see why they would compare it. Pirates immerses you greatly, and uh, and Radiator Springs does, but only for two minutes. Yes, that's right. But I will say the outside of Radiator Springs when you walk into Cars Land is is truly jaw drop amazing beyond belief what they did. Yeah, it, it's beautiful. I, I mean, I, it stunned me. I, I I cannot believe that it's as big as it is. <laughs> yeah, I I take people all the way around so that they don't see uh, Route sixty six 
and I walk them through the San Francisco area first, and then we go in through that uh, that fender that is over by the Pacific Wharf. Yes. So that their first impression is that vast valley. I, I'm actually wondering, it's probably a ridiculous thing to even think this, but are, are rattlesnakes going to find homes in that, that thing, thinking it's real? Uh, you know, they might. Because I, I noticed it is dirt. Yeah. I mean, I often wonder that. Do do bugs and birds live in the jungle cruise and think they're in Africa or something? <laughs> it's worth thinking about. That's a very good point. Well, you know, you know, birds do, because we have the crow infestation every evening at Disneyland. Oh, okay. It's not quite as bad as it used to be, but uh, there, there used to be a time right about sundown when there would be hundreds of birds that would come and park on the trees, and it was very loud down in town square. And then something would spook them, be it a shot from Jungle Cruise or something, and they would all take to the air, and they would fly around for about 30 seconds, and then they would all land again. And this would just repeat over and over for several hours. Well, in the Jungle Cruise, that would really add atmosphere. Yeah, yes. Main Street, not so much. How often are you at Disneyland? Two or three times a week. What What do you know about the cats that are living in Disneyland? You know, I, I know that the that they have feral cats. I know that they feed them, um, and that they help with the uh, the rats and other uh, uh, other pests. So they kind of it's a it's a love hate relationship. Well, I hope they're okay. Yeah, from my understanding, I mean, I I see them all the time. But you know what worries me? Sometimes when those, you ever see like a mother duck and her little babies cross a busy street in Disneyland walking just to another section by by the castle? Mm -hmm. I always worry that someone's going to step on them or hurt. I don't know. It makes me nervous. Yeah. Most of the time though, when, you know, somebody will see them and will go, oh, how cute and start taking pictures. And then, um, yeah, they'll get a crowd. So, right. I just hope they're safe. <laughs> Carol sent me some things about the event here, and I'm looking for the download. Oh, good. There it is. The Ryman Arts Institute um, <laughs> dinner is going to be great. Uh, Bill Farmer and me and Dick Jones is going to be there. Do you know who that is? Uh, not by name. The voice of Pinocchio. Oh, really? Which I am... I, I cannot believe when I'm in the same room with that guy. Pinocchio, to me, is the greatest Disney animated movie ever made. It was like meeting uh, Eddie Carroll. Yeah, and uh, yeah, that, that was a, a, s- a sad loss. I liked him a lot. Yeah, nice, really nice guy. His wife is going to be there, though. Yeah, that that I saw, and I was I, I was thinking, you know, that's that, that's a good that's a good second string there because she can. Uh, still share great stories. Of course. His story, though, about uh, about how he wanted to become the voice and then eventually became the voice. I completely relate to that because I, I was obsessed with my cassettes, practicing all these voices of rides, and then I, I was standing with my tape recorder recording a ride with my own voice blasting out. <laughs> it was. It really is the weirdest thing that's ever happened to me. Yeah, that, is, that, is that the one voice that you have in the park? I have that I have pirate voices in Disneyland. Oh, good. I have Rod Serling voice in Tower of Terror, a couple voices in Epcot, Disney World, Tower of Terror, and Paris, Tower of Terror. And I'm Friend Owl when they do a Bambi project. Wow. And lots of announcing. (laughs) Friend Owl. 
Remember him? He was an old. He sounded like an old man. Yeah, he he was always uh, he he always walked funny too, like he, he literally like an old man. Well, yeah, he did. He, he I have, that actor was in a lot of uh, I Love Lucy's and Andy Griffith shows. Speaking of losses, yeah, there's another one. Do you know Corey Burton? I do. Yes. He he's another guy that brought his tape recorder to Disneyland. Did he really? It's funny. A lot of these guys that ended up working for Disney in these creative ways were obsessed as kids, and it just was like something that just had to happen. Corey, he he can do such a wide range of things. Yes, he can. I I, I work with him on the um, platinum edition DVDs. Have you heard in Wa- the Walt Story Meeting? Have you heard those bonus features? I'm one of those content provider. I'm not really a content consumer type. I keep telling people that uh, because it kind of explains what I do. I'm I'm one of the people that puts the show out and I never get to listen to them. Oh. But what, are you guys just discussing things or playing characters? They have actual transcripts of Walt's story meetings with the classics. Pinocchio, Bambi, we just did Lady and the Tramp. And the voice actors, we will read, we'll, we'll all be like a couple animators, and we'll make points about the different things Walt's talking about on Corey Burton. Here's the voice of Walt Disney talking about the owl flying into a tree and looking at all the different forest animals. <laughs> and then we'll read... Yeah, but Walt, uh, do you want the music with the uh, footsteps of Bambi's mother? Or well, I don't think you know. So we actually recreate word for word the actual meetings, and and it sounds exactly like you're eavesdropping on one of their meetings. Oh, see, now I'm gonna have to go back and listen to that because that's cool. Well, it's actually some of the greatest stuff I've ever worked with, and Corey Burton is. He says that too about everything that he's done greatest things he's ever done it's it's so well produced you got to hear it yeah yeah it's, it's and and which one is it i'm going to write it down we here. did it for pinocchio a little for pinocchio in a sweat box bonus feature we did it a lot with bambi and then we just did it with lady and the tramp wow pinocchio bambi and i played eric larson and a few other old <laughs> animators <laughs> so do you study their voices before you do them or is it Sort of, but you really, it didn't, because we had to play them younger. You're so used to seeing these animators as old men kind of things, and yeah, Walt wanted Baloo to come in, you know, and then, but they had, these guys had to be younger, like in the 40s, so it was a little trickier, so we kind of just did different voices, and and it all kind of works. Gotcha. It's that uh, lack of actually knowing what they sound like that makes it work. Yeah, that's uh, it's like, very hey, true. That's close enough. We're good. Well, actually, if you get the, uh, the the actual DVD of The Happiest Millionaire, I'm the voice of Fred McMurray for the last two scenes. Really? I did, because they, I, they, they found some footage that had no audio track, and they wanted to restore it to its original length, so they needed somebody to be the voice actor, that voice the people that were in the scene, Greer Garson and Fred McMurray. Oh, wow. I watched a lot of My Three Sons as a kid. That's why I always knew how to sound like Fred McMurray. It, 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 it'll never be another job to do Fred McMurray's voice, but that was the one time. That's right, and you got it. So. That's right. That's right. That's good. How long have you been doing character voices? Yeah, since about the uh, mid-'80s. Mid-'80s. I worked, got a job at K-Rock Radio, doing all sorts of impersonations. Old, uh, old DJ aspirations, or... Well, I, I did comedy on the radio, and I did a lot of prank phone calls. Oh, that's fun. 
I called Mike Tyson before a fight as Sylvester Stallone and wished him luck once, live on the air. Really? Everybody liked that. Ah, that's funny. It's a good thing he didn't know it was you. I know. It came out of the newspaper, and it said it was me, and I got got kind of worried, actually, but nothing ever happened. (laughs) So how often do you find yourself down at Disneyland? Well, probably... I'd say once every three weeks. There was a time where I went a lot more. Well, now that it's hot in summer, I'll probably go less, but I like to go at night. Yeah. I, I think Disneyland After Dark is the greatest. I've, I've never uh, never seen you. I'm, I'm a big guy, 350-plus pounds. Are, uh, are you a, a sizable guy, too? Is that uh, why you like the evenings? or? No, no. Why? Did, did they not let sizable guys in during the day? <laughs> what did you mean? I don't know what you meant. <laughs> oh, no, we're just um, big guys don't like the heat. Oh, really? No, I hate the heat. I hate it. I, I hate the summer. Disneyland at night has something. Well, it's like that old episode, Disneyland After Dark. Right. And they explain that a certain magic comes out, and I believe that. It's so much great. I just love every Disney park at night better. Yeah, yeah, I I love it. Because once the sun goes down, you can stop sweating and start enjoying. Right. God, have you ever been to Disney World in the summer? It's a nightmare. Oh yes. Well, for me, pretty much any time at Walt Disney World is is not uh, not a good time. You don't like Disney World? I I do like Disney World. Uh, I am a, a Disneyland fan. If I had to choose between the two, but the the humidity out there is just I just don't like it. It's sickening, but if you go in January, there's no. It's completely cool and actually really cold, which is so. It's so much better. <laughs> we went one time for uh, for an event called Mouse Fest back a number of years ago, uh-huh. and uh, that was in uh, early December. It was like December third through the fifth. It it was actually so cold I was shivering. I listen. I I, w- I was in Epcot one night seeing illuminations, and I think it might have been the coldest I've ever been in my life. Yeah. I, and I I've been in snow. I don't think it was as cold. <laughs> yeah, the the wind, especially uh, when we were there this last time uh, in March, I took took my son for his twenty first birthday. We we're gonna drink around Epcot, and we got caught in a windstorm underneath Spaceship Earth. Wow, I wonder what that was like. Huh? That thing is windy right underneath the the sphere anyway and when it yeah. gets really windy <laughs> god he, he was standing at an angle you know you love spaceship earth i uh, i the original yes well which which original you talking about with walter cronkite i uh, actually i never saw the walter cronkite one uh the, the jeremy irons one the, uh, yes i was going to say the the original being the the walter cronkite one is my favorite one Jeremy Irons is the first one I saw. Well, how was that your favorite if you didn't see it? Just by hearing it, you mean? Yes. Yes, just that, uh, you know, that old, and I'm not going to do his voice, but that that Walter Cronkite narration right. is just fabulous. I, I haven't really heard that one, but I'm curious. I loved the Jeremy Irons one. That's uh, I have several recordings of the Jeremy Irons one, and... Like a grand and miraculous spaceship. I loved it. Our planet has sailed through the universe of time. <laughs> right. Yes. The world began to shrink. I, I, I was on the Judy Dench one, and I liked it too, but God, I really loved the Jeremy Irons one. See, my impression of the Judy Dench one is, you know, like a grand and miraculous spaceship, you know, and our planet sailed through the universe of time, 
and then the internet came and it was fun. And it's like, <laughs> whoa, what happened there? <laughs> you know? Yeah, they kind of they kind of hipped it up a little. Huh? Oh boy, they they went for the lowest common denominator instead of trying to raise people up to their level. Yeah, and that's unfortunate. What uh, it, what did you do in in Spaceship Earth? I, I didn't do anything on Spaceship Earth. Oh, I thought you said that you, that you were. Oh, I see. You were in there. Yeah, I mean, oh, I'd, okay. I'd love I, I love that ride. I'd love to be something in there. Yeah, they used to have a, a newsy kid in there. Yeah, but he sounded like a forty-year-old man. He was get your papers. You know, he looked—he looked like he was ten years old. They went back and changed that, though. It wasn't like that last time. Well, the original one was that really high-pitched extra. Oh, what? Yeah, and it was—it was piercing as you went by, and I—I I don't remember whether that was which one it was, Cronkite or or Irons. Yeah, you remember which one yours was? Because mine will be the opposite one. Probably Jeremy Irons. Okay. Then mine must have been the original one then. Yeah. And it was just, just piercing. I know. They've changed it since. (laughs) So let's see. I have the schedule up here. You said that you are going to be part of the Ryman Arts. The Ryman Arts Dinner. Dinner. On the 19th. The 19th. Okay. Thursday. Ryman Dinner Guests. Okay. So there we are. Oh, yep, there you are. Okay. Boy, you're going to be yeah. with a bunch of people that I know. Wow, who else? Um, out of the group there, I, well, I know of Marty Sklar, obviously. Um, did, but, did Marty Sklar write, um, set sail with the wildest crew to ever sack the Spanish main? Oh, Was that him that wrote that? You couldn't quote me on saying that, but that's that's about the right time. Yeah. I have that pirate book. Remember that used to sell in the parks? That magazine about the making of pirates? No. Remember they used to have a small world one and a pirate one? Yeah, I, my first trip was in 73. They probably were gone by then. No, they, no, they had them until about 1985, I think. Did they really? Yeah. Huh. But uh, I want to get uh, Marty Sklar to sign it. Mark Davis signed it. And Alice. It's one of my greatest possessions. Very nice. Yes. Yeah, it looks like Floyd Norman's going to be there. Bob Gurr. Floyd Norman's another great guy. Uh, Carolyn Carroll, you had mentioned earlier. Yeah. Uh, everybody's dear friend, Margaret Carey. Kind of love her. Margaret Carey. I think I'm having breakfast with her tomorrow. Oh, very nice. Do you know Terry Harden? I was just about to say, and Terry Harden, who is a good friend of mine, she uh, she was the reason I, I got to uh, be an extra on the Country Bears movie. Oh, of course. Because yes. of Terry. So I know all about her participation in that, so I can I, I know that story, yes. Yeah. She uh, she asked a bunch of us to go down there and be be extras. She talked to Peter Hastings, he said sure. And yeah. uh and so I came down at the time I was living in San Jose. And so I came down for two weeks, took time off work and came down and just went there every night. It was like 4 p.m. to 6 a.m. we were shooting. Was that fun? It was fabulous. <laughs> and, you know, and it's my, it's my one uh, claim to fame. Did you see yourself? Oh, yes. Yes. Sounds good. The, you know the, did you see the movie? I didn't see that one. Okay. There's a spot where, uh, where Big Al lets everybody in right at the end of the movie for the big uh, climactic scene. Yeah. And, uh, I'm right behind the door as he opens it and 
they edited it in such a way that when the door opened, you just see the edge of my shoulder and they cut away. And I thought that was going to be my one big on-screen moment. <laughs> was that it? <laughs> they took it out, but I'm, I'm in the crowd. I'm, I, I, uh, Peter Hastings knew, um, I, I was hosting a, a website called the country bear playhouse website. And oh. as he was doing the movie, he actually had a photo of, of me, my best friend and big Al on the front of his binder. He, he was doing research and found, uh, found the picture. No kidding. So he got in there. He put it on there. And so when I was got there, he, he realized who I was and edited the movie so that you could see me. So oh, that was nice of him. Yeah, it was rather nice. Yeah, so, very good. And uh, and I got to hear that on on the red carpet as I was doing interviews with him. So, wow. Yeah, it was a howdy, folks. Don't you miss that attraction? Oh God, I had, Peter Renaday is an is another friend of mine and uh, and another voice actor that I'm sure you, you know him. Yeah, I mean, I I don't know him so well, but I've worked with him in a few things. I know I have. Uh, gotcha. Okay. And I always liked his Haunted Mansion record when I was a kid. He's the nicest guy. And funny you should mention that uh, that Haunted Mansion thing. We did a Haunted Mansion podcast a number of years ago. And as we were going into the Haunted Mansion, we wanted to have his voice. And so we had him redo his voice uh, and read the script that we had written for him. And then we did the same echo that was on the record. No kidding, really? Yeah, it was it was pretty cool. Did you get Ron Howard to say the door's jammed? Get open. <laughs> no, no, we did get Corey to do an, a number of things, although he wouldn't do the ghost host for us um, for obvious reasons. Well, wasn't Peter Renaday doing the ghost host? He was, but he was no longer employed by Disney. Yeah, so he he wasn't going to lose his uh, <laughs> his voiceover gig. So what's the idea with this Ryman Arts dinner? Is this, um, is this you guys just sitting at the tables and you'll be talking with the guests or? Yeah, yeah we eat dinner and talk to the guests about Disney and our, what we've done and, you know, that kind of thing. I think Bill's doing some kind of stand-up routine or something. Oh, very nice. Yeah, I'm, I'm hoping to, to cover the, uh, the convention, so hopefully I will be able to come in and film a little bit of what's going on during these to kind of get the word out about the convention. Oh, good. Is there anything in this list here that you are looking forward to? Are you going to be attending the convention or just the dinner? I'm going to try to go to the pirate event because I'm such a fanatic about Pirates of the Caribbean. Pirates of the Caribbean panel. Oh, see, you're going to, you're going to go to all the banquet things. I see what you're doing. You're, you're getting all the all the food. Yeah, that sounds like that would be fun. <laughs> Plus, I, you know, it's Pirates of the Caribbean, and I love that, so I want to see what's going on with that. Yeah, Alice Davis, Roger Brogy, and Bob Gurr. Oh, right. So that should be fun. Yeah, absolutely. I'm looking at all of this here. I'm I'm seeing, looks like Thursday through Saturday is going to be the events. And then Sunday is going to be the show and sale. Will you be going to that? I'll be that there also. I'll be selling CDs. Are you a, a vocalist or just... There's all my different voices, a couple of interesting Tower of Terror things, and some of my best prank phone calls. Oh, very nice. 
And I do some telephone answer messages as different characters that you can answer. They can play it to your phone and they'll answer your phone. Oh, I like it. We should, uh, I should hit you up to do a, an introduction for window to the magic at some point. That's right. And we have, uh, we, we got, you, you want to talk lucky. Uh, we got Don LaFontaine to do the window to the magic introduction about a year two maybe before he passed and that that when when we found out that he had passed away we were like oh my lord you, you want to talk about the the luck of the draw and timing what a voice huh? i tell you that the story that he tells about um about how his voice changed right in the middle of a sentence <laughs> i didn't know that is that right uh, when I was 13 years old, my voice changed in the middle of a sentence. Mom, I'll help you with the dishes. Literally. And it never went back. And I was just cut up in class. And when I went to school the next day, I didn't want to talk. And, and the teacher got bugged about it. She said, why aren't you saying something? And I said, what do you want me to say? And I was sent to the office because she thought I was screwing with her. Uh, and for a while, there was a really upset me. But then I discovered that I could be everybody's dad. Jimmy can't come to school today because he's not feeling very well. <laughs> That's pretty funny. Oh, God. I, you know, I've done as a gag, I'll call radio talk shows. Mm -hmm. And I'll call in as a nice old woman asking for gardening tips on my daffodils. And in the middle of the conversation, I turn into a man and nobody really understands what's going on. <laughs> And then I turn back into an old woman. <laughs> it's one of my favorite things to do. <laughs> Fun with voiceover talent, ladies and gentlemen. Of course. <laughs> what do you do on a Tuesday afternoon? I call and... I look for a radio program and do a little bit like that. I actually can hear some of them on YouTube. You have your own channel? If you punch in my name and Howard Stern, for instance, lots of my phone jokes come up. Huh. Have you been on the Stern Show? I was on once. Once. I, what they did was they, I, I had, as I told you, I fooled Sylvester. I fooled Mike Tyson with Sylvester Stallone. Right. Hey, Mike, how you doing? It's one of wish you luck before the fight. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you know, Adrian, I ain't never asked you to stop being a woman. So please. I'm asking you, please, don't ever ask me to stop being a man, <laughs> you know. And that was, uh, that was actually one of the first impressions I really got down. So I, I, I called the Larry King show when they had Sylvester Stallone's mother as a guest. <laughs> and I caught, I'm just sitting in my room, and I said, Hey, Ma, how you doing? You look fantastic tonight. <laughs> and, 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 and Larry goes, uh, well, the mother says, how did you get through, dear? And Larry King says, is that your son? She says, that's my... And then it says on the screen, Sylvester Stallone on phone. Nice. So for 15 minutes, I, I did the interview. So then Howard Stern heard about that. And when they had Jackie Stallone on their show, they planted me on the phone to see if I could fool her again. And I, of course I did. Uh, very nice. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. Yeah, that was good. I've I, I've always, uh, you know, I'm I'm friends with a couple of voiceover people, like we had talked about earlier in the conversation, and I always ask them if if I would be good to do voices, and they said no, and I said why not? 
And they said, because you won't, you can only do one voice. And what it is, is no matter what voice I'm doing, you can still hear me. But you know, a lot of voices by like, I can always, a lot of times you can tell it's Paul Freeze, just like a variation of him. Right. And he'll be higher or lower. So, and a lot of times you could tell that it's, um, you know, Mel Blanc. Mm-hmm. But um, that's not necessarily uh, a negative thing. Yeah, it's it, it's the uh, it's the nasal. You know, I've got this thing going on. Well, you you can improve that. Yeah, unless unless people are looking for this particular voice. You know, they said you'd be great if somebody's looking for your voice. But uh, <laughs> I've been I've been friends with uh, Brian Summer for a number of years, and and I keep asking him. I'm like, so now? And he's like, no. <laughs> Who's Brian Summer? Is that a voiceover actor? Brian Summer, yes. He he does uh, lots of video game characters and, and things like that, but he's also very large uh, around the uh, the Disney podcast universe. Uh, he's, he started working with, uh, with Window to the Magic back, I think, in 2006, I think was the first uh, the first time we had him on and and he had caught on with a lot of the podcasts because he would it, his dream is to do like you did and to actually get into the park at some point. Oh, it's 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 uh it, it, there's nothing like it hearing your voice blasting back on an attraction. Yeah. It's so it's so satisfying, let me tell you. If Bill Rogers is actually ever out someday, and just, you know, in the Bahamas and not available to do a recording, Brian will fill in for him, no problem. Does he do that? He he does. That, that's his kind of thing. I mean, he can do anything from the grumbly, you know, monster type to to the women's voices like you were doing and stuff like that. But, you know, his, his uh, natural voice is right there in that whole ladies and gentlemen, right. boys and girls kind of thing. Yeah, that really comes in handy. He actually did that at one point uh, for the show. He did a, you know, uh, you know, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Window to the Magic podcast, your friend and host, you know, and, and we did the echo like you were standing on Main Street and had the background voices of the people. Right. You know, and everything. And, you know, that's fun. But closest he's gotten at this, at this point was to do the answering machine recording for the Disney Gallery. Oh, okay. So, still holding out hope. I didn't even know there was an answer uh, message for the Disney Gallery. Yeah, when you when you call, sometimes you know it's it's you know no one is available. You know, leave leave a message with what you want and your phone number, and we'll call you back to talk to you about buying whatever it is. He he likes to do the collectibles, and uh, and so naturally he got to know those people. And so when they needed it updated, they said, "Hey, Brian." So not a paying gig, but, uh, you know, Hey, it's something in the park, right? Hey, that, that's good. <laughs> yeah. I, i I want to narrate the people mover if it ever came back. Oh my, <laughs> one of my two favorite attractions ever. Is it really? Yeah. The adventure through inner space and the people mover. Below is Tomorrowland's character shop. Someday the people mover may be carrying you through stores and shopping malls in your own community. <laughs> I'm still waiting for it to come to my community. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. I've got my fingers crossed as well. 
but I, I, I was bummed because I think it was, it was the D23 Expo this last time they had the voices of, in the park yeah, and they had the woman who does the, the people mover narration, the later one. Yeah. She was there. Yeah. And I missed it. I was there. I, I saw her doing it. It was amazing. See, I, I heard and saw a video of it afterwards and was just kicking myself. Because that right. that she is my people mover voice. She's the yeah. one that I grew up with, and that's uh, I. I know that. Yeah. So, how long have you been hanging around with the well, the NFFC now DFC? Probably about God, I think since about two thousand and six. I did a little dinner over there at um, Ariel's Grotto. At California Adventure, and we and that's how it started. And I met Margaret Carey and Terry Harden and Eddie Carroll, mm-hmm. and all and Floyd Norman, and all that started happening. And I had a lot of fun with it, so I I kept doing it. When did you do the recordings for Tower? I did it. It's it's amazing. I it's almost been twenty years. Wow. I did it in nineteen ninety three. Wow. The first Tower of Terror recording. So was that, um, you, you did it for the one in Florida. Right. Did they have you come back and do anything again for California? Yes, because there, there are scenes, there's one scene that is not in the Florida version where you see yourself in a mirror disappearing. Ah, right. So they had to have Rod Serling say, Wave goodbye to the real world, for you have just entered the Twilight Zone. <laughs> so they needed to do that for the California version. But the pre-show that you see on the television is all the same from Florida. Okay. All right. So, yeah, I, I remember writing Tower in Florida many, 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 many years ago. And I, n- I never knew that, uh, that that was actually Rod Serling that was on the screen. I thought they had gotten a replacement uh, and, and, you know, and he was just doing the voice. And then I found out that it was you. Well, you actually see Rod Serling. Right. Yeah. But you hear, you hear me in there. That was, a uh, an amazing, it's put together so well. And you had to do, you, you had to look at his lips and match his cadence and timing and all of that. That was it. But I, I had a lot of experience at uh, revoicing people before that. So that, that really wasn't that much of a problem. Okay. I've, I've always thought that that would be a very difficult thing to do. I guess that's the ADR stuff. Um, it takes a little practice and they give you beeps to know exactly when to start talking, right. which is very helpful. But, um, I once revoiced 80 lines for Al Pacino before I did tower of terror. Really? They were putting Al Pacino movie on, on television, Carlito's Way. And he says a lot of bad words to the whole movie. Okay. But you can't say the bad words on regular TV. Right. So they would get the actor, usually Al Pacino would come in and do it himself and, and say different words. But he was busy making another movie at the time. So they brought me in there to uh, put in all the television appropriate words. Ah, that's tricky. My favorite uh, example of uh, TV censorship re-recordings is Smokey and the Bandit. Jackie Gleason calls uh, Burt Reynolds an SOB. Okay, he calls him an SOB in the theatrical version. Right. 
And in the TV version, they replaced it with scumbum. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, and it's very poorly done. So it, he'll be going around going, you get back here, you scumbum. And I, you know. <laughs> I wonder if it was Jackie Gleason that did it. I, I don't know. Probably not. <clears throat> there was a lot, you know, if you watch, um, I was just watching the movie Casino just now. Mm-hmm. Sharon Stone's in a big fight with um, De Niro, and she keeps yelling, freak you, freak you, <laughs> which, which is kind of ridiculous because nobody would ever say freak you to anybody. Correct. Yeah. Actually, what, what you say in that, which I did a lot with Al Pacino, is forget you. Right. That actually works really well. Yeah, that's, uh, that would at least be believable. Yeah. It's so strange, though, why she said freak you. <laughs> Throughout Friday and Saturday, I'm looking for something that might be fun for us to talk about. How much? Uh, how much have you been in? You know, Cars Land is the big topic at this point. It looks like there's there's a panel with uh, or a talk with Kevin Rafferty about Cars Land. That looks like that would at least be a very exciting one to to go and watch. Yeah, I think it would be too. I mean, it's really transformed that park. Uh, California Adventure really is a, a great Disney park now. Now it is, yes. Yes. Yeah, I, w- I always told people that I, I, I considered it to be the same as the Disney MGM Studios. When it began, it wasn't uh, very good, but it came into its own. Listen, when you walk through uh, Buena Vista Street and see those trolleys going, it, you really feel, get that Disneyland feeling. It's wonderful. Yeah, and... and Cars Land, I, I actually have to keep reminding myself that I'm at California Adventure. Yes. I mean, you, you feel completely transported. Right. You just don't feel like you're anywhere where you think you are. It, it, it's really, it's amazing. Have you ridden the trolley yet? I did. I, I wrote it on a cast preview, but it didn't go its entire course, but I'd love to. I want to, I love it because it goes right to the Hollywood Tower Hotel. So I want to, I want to get on it and hear my voice on the ride. And that will be, I really look forward to that. There you go. Yeah. See, I always take it the other direction. Once I'm done with Cars Land, then I'll walk through Bugs Land and walk over and catch it there at Tower and take it to the front gate. Is, so is that where it goes from Tower to the front gate and back and forth right there? Yes. And yet I, 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 have yet to actually make it all the way to the front gate because uh, typically the world of color thwarts my efforts. Oh. If they're letting people out, they can't run the uh, the trolleys because it's just too many people. So it stops right there and you have to get off? Yeah, it stops at the information booth right there by the Carthay Circle. I see, I see. Okay. Yeah, and then they turn around and go back. So, But it's, it, it's odd because, you know, they're... California Adventure used to be kind of a throwaway thing for me. It was a place that I didn't go very often. You know, people wanted to see it. I went over with them. But now, since Cars Land is reop- or has opened and, and Buena Vista Street is there, I find that I've spent more time there than I do at Disneyland. And that's a tribute to their efforts to improve that park. Yeah. I mean, if look at all those new attractions there. My God. Yeah. It, it all is such a nice blend of things. If you want to do the Cars ride, you got Tower of Terror, the Little Mermaid ride, the Toy Story ride, soaring over California. Right. Such a very different amount of 
great attractions there. With an uh, another Soren has a, another great voice there. Oh, uh, Patrick Warb Warber is that his name? Warburton, yeah. Warburton, yes. And uh, he has got smarmy down. He does. As a matter of fact, it, it, it sort of sounds like a little like Rod Serling when he talks. A little bit. I, I thought that. The last couple of times I went, I said, it sort of sounds like he's doing a little Serling there. <laughs> yeah, he's, um, you know, a lot of people consider him to be the, you know, the voice of Kronk uh, for uh, the Emperor's New Groove and, right. you know, things like that. And so it's funny when you you see him, everybody remem- remembers him being whatever they first saw him doing. I guess that's true. You're absolutely right. Yes. Somebody said the other day, oh my Lord, it's the tick. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Right, right, right. I was doing a Don Adams impression and this kid came up to me at at, uh, one of these Disney things and said, were you, were you doing Inspector Gadget? Right. And I was thinking more Tennessee Tuxedo and Maxwell Smart. Yeah. Yeah. And, and those are, uh, well, he was just doing his own voice, really, for all of that. He just had that voice that was entertaining, so he could just be... He didn't have to change it much. Yeah. Well, he he, he emphasized it. Mm-hmm. Like, if you saw Don Adams talking on, on a talk show, he would sort of sound like Maxwell Smart, you know, but he would sound like this. But if he was really playing Maxwell Smart, he would make it even higher and more, you know. Yeah. And that's that's where I hear Tennessee Tuxedo. Right. Yeah. Tennessee Tuxedo will not fail. Come on, Chumley. <laughs> Tennessee Tuxedo. Actually, Don Adams was my first impression I ever learned. Oh, very nice. Was was he Chumley as well? No. Oh, okay. I don't know who was Chumley, but it was someone else. <laughs> but he would always say, um, Phineas J. Whoopi, you're the greatest. Come on, Chumley. <laughs> but wait, I forgot to tell you how... Oh, <laughs> all right, Chumley. Since we heard from Mr. Whoopi, now we'll know how to build a bridge. <laughs> I want that to come back because I want to do that, <laughs> that voice. Well, I was going to say, you got Chumley down. That's that's pretty good. Yeah, that, that one was easy. <laughs> I want it to come back. Every cartoon has come back. I would say, well, 75% of the ones we didn't want to come back have come back already. I know that. I even, um, I even got to work in the Bowickle movie. Ah. I was, um, the on-set Rocky the Flying Squirrel. Really? And I would say the lines, but then June Foray dubbed over me with her real Rocky voice. You know, if you're going to be dubbed over, that's who you should be dubbed over by. That's right. June Foray, also the voice of Taki Tina in the Twilight Zone episode. Really? Remember that one of the Telly Savalas and the doll? Yeah, my, my son just recently discovered the uh, Twilight Zone series thanks to Netflix. Yeah, that's good. That's the way to do it. And uh, it was actually because because of your attraction, Tower, which is one of his favorites. I love that, that that attraction introduces kids to the Twilight Zone. Yeah, and he went in and just right from the beginning, he watched every episode of the Twilight Zone. Wow. God, that's so good. I love Twilight Zone. I, well, when I was a kid, there was set, you know, 13 stations, and it would be on Channel 5 at midnight, so every kid knew it. Right. Now things are so different. Yeah, now you just pull it up whenever you want it. Yeah, it, it lose, I think it, I like it better when you don't know what episode it's going to be and it comes on. Right. But the problem is it's not really on anymore like that, so you can't do that. 
but they it's not like they're going to watch Twilight Zone on their own because there's so many distractions now. Yeah. When you got a kid with Star Wars and Jurassic Park and every Spider-Man movie on their shelf to just put in, it's hard to get them to watch a 1960s black and white TV show. Right. I I used to uh look very much forward to the old-time radio hour on my local AM radio station when I was younger. And it was just a single hour and they would play some old radio show, but you never knew which one it was, but you knew when it was coming on and it was the, the anticipation and then getting to hear it. I love, I love those. Did you, did you like, um, the great Gildersleeve? Ah, yes. Matter of fact, I, I ended up because of that downloading a ton of the, uh, the episodes for that. There was, there was one more too. And I was trying to think of what it was that I was downloading, but just, yeah, th- that old, old time radio is just fabulous. Remember Paul Fries used to do suspense. Yep. Thank you, Margaret O'Brien for a <laughs> splendid performance in suspense. <laughs> I loved it. I loved all of that stuff. That and the, um, well, uh, there was one episode that I saw the other day of, um, Mel Blank came on to, it was a television show, not a radio, not a radio show. And he, he came, oh, it was, um, Jack Benny. Okay. And he came on as the, the Mexican guy with the band. See, yeah. See, so, Sue, that one. (laughs) Yeah. I heard that recently. That's so funny. (laughs) Oh man. That's something that really cannot be duplicated today. No. Simply for the sole reason that people just don't have voices interesting like that anymore. Yeah. Imagine Tom Cruise and Kevin Costner like on an old radio show. They, you know, nobody has a good voice like that. Yeah, there. Well, there's a bunch of people that have voices like that, but they're all doing video games. Oh, I, I've 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 done my share of video games. It's very rough work. That's uh, that's what Brian Summer does a lot of. He d- he does those PayPal commercials and things like that. What's tough about those video games is you have to have a sound for every single way that your character can move, you know? So if you're doing a, a battle scene, for instance, you got to scream and grunt exactly the way you would if someone's hitting you with a club in the head or something, you know? you got to do it in one day, so, like, your voice is all tired and burned out by the end of the day of screaming so much. Yeah, Brian just comes in and has uh, has somebody hit him, you know, and then that's good enough. It sounds like it, you know. That's probably works best. <laughs> yeah, no, he's he's done uh, he's done things like Sam and Max. I don't know. You're probably not much into video games, but I'm not into. I'm not really into them, but I've done a few of them. Yeah, yeah. And the, you know, it, it's fun to to listen to him and uh, and like Corey's appearances in the um, in like Epic Mickey, hearing the different people pop up in different places. Uh, recently heard Corey pop up in um, the Silly Symphony Swings. Oh, oh, really? In California Adventure. Does he narrate it? He, he's the voice that you hear as you come in. So, you know, he's saying, you know, as soon as the conductor is ready, you know, we'll begin our symphony. I see. You know, so please remain seated with your hands, arms, feet, and legs. I'll have to listen for that. I didn't, I didn't know that has a voice. I'm, I don't like going on things that spin around. I get nauseous. Ah, yeah, that that would be one of them. The teacups is too much for me. Ah, 
Have you been on Mater's Junkyard Jamboree yet? <laughs> I did go on that. I, I was worried that I'd get sick, but I liked it. It was pretty fun. Absolutely. I've also done Miyazaki movies. Do you know about that? Um, I've heard the term, but I couldn't tell you what it is. John Lasseter is very... He really likes Hayao Miyazaki. Okay. Who is, he's like the uh, Japanese Walt Disney, you know. He animates these movies, Howl's Moving Castle... Um, spirited away, and he's won Academy Awards. Okay. So these are all in Japanese. So John Lasseter supervised the English dubs. So I got to play a few kings in some of these things. Oh, very nice. Which was great, because I got to be on a cast list with Lauren Bacall. Oh, that's always nice. Yeah, that's, that was very exciting. I like that, yeah. On, on the cast list, but you never got to meet her. I never got to meet her. She came in the day after I was in. Yeah, such as voiceover work. I, I hear that's one of the big things everybody always says. So what's it like working with insert person here? And they're like, I never, I never met him. We did the whole cartoon together, but we never saw each other. I know. Because I, I, the first one I was in, I knew Uma Thurman was in it. And I thought I was going to be spending the whole day talking to Uma Thurman about all sorts of things. Pulp Fiction and everything. And you get there and it's just a microphone. You're all alone. They like it that way because then uh, they can have you do it 400 times and you're not distracted by Uma. I guess that's the point. That's that's what I heard. That's, just, that's why they isolate people out is so that they're not distracted by Uma Thurman. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I think what we've done here is uh, is actually going to do pretty good. What I'm going to do is I'm going to just invite everyone to uh, to come out to the Disney Anna. I still call it the NFFC, the Disney Anna Fan Club convention, and uh, and see you in person. Are you're going to be there on Sunday selling your CDs and autographing them? I assume. Yes. 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 Okay. So people will be able to meet you and put a face with the voice. Right. And if um, if you're like any other voice actor I know, we're going to go, wow, you don't look the way you sound. Probably. Yeah. yeah that... <laughs> I don't, I have so many different voices. I don't know how, uh, I, I mean, I, I might look like one of them. That's a good point. Yes. Yeah. Hopefully you look like the good looking ones, right? Yes. I, I don't look like this one. Uh, not at all. No, <laughs> no, sure. There no way. <laughs> I look like this one. There you yes. go. Suave and debonair. Yes. That's the way I like to look, like that, right. There you go. All right. Yeah. Well, th thank you so very much for coming on and for uh, for chatting with me for a little bit. And, and hopefully this, uh, this recording will encourage people to come down and check out the convention. Because not, you know, like we were talking about before, not only will you be there, but a ton of Disney talent is going to be there. And, you know, Imagineers and, and talent and right. everybody. And, uh, and it's just a fabulous time. Yeah. Thank you. And, uh, Hey, it was great. A lot of fun. Yes. Uh, we'll, uh, we'll have to talk about, uh, about those recordings you've done and maybe we could, uh, maybe we could get, get together and see what you got and we'll talk with Magic Joe and see if, uh, if he's got that 1960s pirates recording for you. Yeah. I'd love that. Okay. All right. Good. All right, hey, great talking to you. I'll talk to you later. 
I would like to thank Mark for joining me for this show, and I would like to thank you for listening to A Window to the Magic as we continue our seventh year of bringing you the best audio adventures from throughout the wonderful world of Disney. As we end the show, I would like to thank those who have purchased the Window to the Magic podcast app, those who now support the show through a recurring support donation, and Michael Mafoda and the Bluestone Creative Group for continuing to make the magic happen. We always love to hear your feedback, so be sure to email or call us soon. Call us at 206-984-9886, email us at podcast at windowtothemagic.com. You can follow us on Twitter at twitter.com slash WTTM, WTTM24, and FOTM2012. That's for the Friends of the Magic Gathering. That's happening just about 10 days from now. And that is at Disneyland, August 3rd through 5th, 2012. Come and join us for a weekend of food, fun, and friends. And of course, you can always add us as your friend on Facebook. Oh, and a little mention about Facebook. I recently found out that Facebook has changed the way things are going. And if you want to continue to follow Window to the Magic or WTTM24 or the Friends of the Magic on Facebook, you either have to routinely interact with us or you have to go to our pages and click in the like. There's a like button. Uh, If you click on that, you can select show in news feed. If you don't check that, we're not going to be showing up in your news feed anymore. Um, It's something they've changed. They're going to start charging us to be on your news feed uh, for groups and things like that. It's a big mess. But anyway, we can get around this. If you go to Facebook and you go to the like on the page where it says that we're liked by however many people we are and you select show in newsfeed when you click on that. So be sure to add us as your friend on Facebook. And of course, be sure to join us again next week. Next week, I've got a special show for you. My friend Brian Duda showed up for his birthday weekend and we went around the park and it was his special birthday show. So you're going to join us next week for Brian's birthday show. It's going to be fun. But for now, this has been a window to the magic, the ultimate Disney audio adventure, and I'll see you next time. This podcast is a member of the Friends of the Magic family of podcasts. For more information about this show and others like it, please visit friendsofthemagic.com and click on the podcast link on the main page. Some days you eat the bear, and some days the bear eats you. But always dress for the hunt! Come to the loop! Surround yourself with the magic.